This is what Jesus is telling. Jesus has just, Jesus has just risen, and he's coming into town. And this is his, what he's telling, the last words to his people. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. Notice he gives us instructions. We're not, we don't have to care about the results. He says, go and teach them everything I've commanded you. We don't have to know all the results. All we need to do is do what he says. And this is for everybody. Everybody sitting in here who is a believer in Jesus Christ, this is him saying this to you. Go into all the nations, meaning Lincoln City, okay? Lincoln City is part of that nation. So today we're going to show you what some of you are doing here in other nations by giving your tithes and offerings. We're going to show you what God is doing through this Lincoln City Foursquare Church. So um, Adrian will come and uh, let us give us an update on Four uh, Square Missions and others. Donna will uh, give us an update on Open Doors. Brother Edward is going to show us and give us an update as what is done to our um, guest house in Uganda. For many of you who don't know, we are now establishing a sister church in Uganda. And praise God, we are established. Lincoln City Foursquare is going to have a sister church in Uganda. Isn't that exciting? And then uh, we're going to have um, a guest from the ambassador's ministry. John will come up and tell us a little bit about him. And then Brother Edward will close us in prayer. So that's what your morning will look like. And we'll have Adrian come up first. Good morning. I'm giving you updates on Foursquare Missions Press and uh, then a little update on Foursquare Missions. Foursquare Missions Press is what we collect the rice principle for, uh, loose change and anything else you want to put in here. Uh, we do it the third Sunday of the month. Just wanted to tell you some updates of what's going on at Foursquare Missions Press um, in the near future. Uh, uh, they have missions teams going to Honduras at the end of this month, or at the end of July, uh, doing children's rallies, and they plan to reach thousands of children. And then in August, they have another team going out for three weeks uh, covering East Africa, uh, Kenya, and Tanzania, and then over to West Africa, the French-speaking areas. Um, they are going to do children's out outreach as well. And what they are also doing uh, in the African uh, trips is uh, layering in new solar-powered technology, solar-powered projectors, uh, audio Bibles, and lanterns to assist in teaching both kids and adults in their native languages. And then when they leave, they're going to leave the audio Bibles uh, behind, <laughs> okay? Um, and then each village is going to, able to be able to have uh, future Bible studies with that uh, technology. So that's what this stuff is going towards, okay? Um, and then the other thing I was going to uh, tell you about is uh, Foursquare Missions. Foursquare Missions Press is a, a separate uh, department or entity, um, and then Foursquare Missions is uh, supported by, uh, financially supported by Foursquare. Uh, they both work together a lot, though. Um, the Foursquare uh, Missionaries Prayer Guide is in the back, uh, so you can pick those up if you want. And uh, we have a video uh, that we're going to show you about Foursquare Missionaries to Cambodia. Uh, uh, Masu and Pa Tom have been there for 20 years, and uh, this is what I wanted to show you what's been going on the past 20 years. So you know, you know, we're going on into the future. You know, let's uh, support these people, and uh, you can go ahead and show the video. There has never been a woman that has ministered in the same way that Sue does here in Cambodia. 
Sue is known everywhere as Matsu, which means Mama Sue, and uh, she is the mother of this ministry. Her husband he felt like God said, the reason I gave you this woman is so that you can minister together, first to your people and then to hers. She didn't want to leave. So it was a, a real challenge. I knew that we'd been called, you know, and I had that word from the Lord 16 years before that. And somehow I knew in my heart this was a time to go to her country. Uh, he just keep telling me he got a call to go back to Asia. I don't want to go back to Asia. And I said, I'll divorce you. I absolutely don't want to go. There's a lot of reasons. The Vietnam War literally turned her world upside down. It was a, a, a very difficult time of her life. She lost a lot of family members. She, uh, everything she knew was gone. That very Saturday night, God woke me up and said, go to your husband's dresser. I put my hand up there and it was a letter. God reminds her of a letter that she wrote to him. And he says, look, if God calls me into missions, calls me into ministry, are you gonna, are you gonna follow? And she wrote back and she said, yes. When I opened up, and uh, God spoke to me, you have covenant with me. That's my covenant. Because you say yes. And um, <laughs> I woke him up and said, I'm going with you. Because I have a covenant with God and I have a covenant with you. Sue had favor in the nation almost as soon as they arrived. She was granted citizenship. And as a result of that, they bypassed one of the biggest problems that most ministries in Cambodia face, and that is not having reliable Cambodian leadership. The first I came, and um, I just see and watching. It's all the men to do all the work. And God just put in my heart, they just released for me to go and do things. And uh, I just start going out, travel around the country and uh, negotiate and uh, build a church. And I I'm surprised in myself. And uh, normally they won't accept the woman to be a leadership. So I become mom for everybody. Even the minister of social affairs even call Matom. So they are excellency. They call me that. I just is so, wow, all right? God is so good. Ted and Sue are, are very, very highly regarded both by the Christian community and by the non-Christian community. Uh, they have won the respect of people through the good works that they're doing. They talk about uh, meeting urgent needs and taking care of God's people, and that's, that's what they feel called to do here. And so they have received awards from the government, they have received recognition from secular organizations. And, and I, think, uh, I think they've won the hearts and minds of many, many people simply by the example of their lives. Sue has influence with, with all kinds of significant leaders and she has influence with all these young children that they've been raising. When the orphans started being dropped off at the doorstep, they looked for other people to take care of the orphans. Nobody else would do it. And now 18,000 children later, a whole nation is being transformed and changed. I call my children all this often. We've been raised 18,000. Some are pastors, some are doctors, some are lawyers. They watch, they see, and then she gets, to, she gets to release them to do things. And you're going to see more and more men and women rising up in the years ahead. I'm an orphan kid, so when I grow with them, what I see, they are kind. They are a good example for us about Holy Spirit that they had. So, Pastor Sue, one day she called me to come on a stage about Yen, you have spirit to, to lead worship. She said, you have anointing. So she put her hand on us, so everything is boom. And she, she take us to know about God. We did not know clear about God. And she is close to us. Four, five young ladies up there and lead worship and um, they can pray. They can lay hand on people. I can see that. They can be somebody. 
that God can use. All these young girls are saying, I want to be like Matsu when I grow up. I have my, my real mom, but she never take care about me. But she always protect me. She always stay close to me if I have problem. She always tell people that I thinking about her sometimes. I, rem I remember that the word that said, Yen, I love you. That's why right now, I raise my kid with, with the words she talked to me before that she do to me, she did to me. Sometimes I try to rem remind me, Yen, Ma is a wonderful woman. She see a strong woman. I need to do the same her. She had a really comfortable life in America. Why come back here? But she did. And her life here has been anything but comfortable. I've just been amazed at her perseverance, at her resilience in ministry, because she knows that God's called her to see a nation come to Christ. We have a woman leadership to come to my house, and I was training to send them out to do the woman ministry. Two, three women said, I want to be like you. Then my thought said, I want to be like a sister Amy. Yeah. She inspired me. How God anointed her, the simple message. I said, God, I really like to be like her. I want your anointing. Since that day, the key for me, I cannot live with our Holy Spirit. I cannot preach or teach or anything without I'm praying in the Spirit. You want to know the truth? There's only one person can teach you that Holy Spirit. He will lead you and guide you all the truth. Simple as that. Yes, and what she says, that's the Holy, 18,000 kids, that's the Holy Spirit. When they started, that one church closed down, and it's only the Lord Jesus through the Spirit that can do that. So Donna's going to come and give us an update on Open Doors. Doors, and Open Doors was uh, started by a man named Brother Andrew, and he used to smuggle Bibles behind the Iron Curtain in the 50s and 60s. He also wrote the book God Smuggler. They've been in existence for about 60 years, and they're in about 60 countries across the world. Their sole mission is to support persecuted Christians around the world. I have materials on open doors on our missions table back in the foyer. Um, there's materials such as prayer calendars, devotionals, educational, and stories of persecuted brothers and sisters. So help yourself. There's new materials that come out every month as well. I find that um, it's just kind of been my observation in my life and maybe in others that sometimes it's kind of hard to stay connected with our brothers and sisters who are suffering persecution because, for one, it's not a part of our daily lives. It's not something that we really can really identify with. Plus, they're thousands and thousands of miles away from us. So one of the ways that I try to stay connected is just to pray with them every, for them every day. And I have this prayer calendar, and it just helps guide me through a daily prayer during my devotional time for them. And it helps my heart stay connected with them, because that's really important to the Lord, I believe. Also, um, one thing that Open Doors produces every year is what's called the World Watch List. And this is a booklet of the World Watch List. And it is a list of the top 50 countries in the world where it's most difficult to be a Christian, one being the worst. Uh, this booklet goes through every single country on the World Watch List, um, providing you a bit of information about the country, uh, about the drivers behind persecution in that country, and most important are the prayer points 
for that particular country. So there's 50 of them in here, obviously, and some more information for you. They're also on the back table, and I encourage you to take them. Um, the World Watch List is considered the most authoritative, comprehensive uh, report of its kind, uh, again, produced by Open Doors. The number one country on the World Watch List is North Korea, and it's been number one since the inception of the World Watch List. Uh, that's 18 years. Number two is Afghanistan. And this is a map of the world that they've, they've kind of mapped out, the top 50 countries in the world. And if you look, it's just about half of the world, if not a little more. Number three is Somalia. And I'm going to focus today on Somalia, because in a country of just over 15 million people and a land mass of slightly smaller than Texas, the size of Texas, it's estimated that there are a few hundred Christians. So I'm going to simply read a story, a true story, of a brother in Christ who converted from Islam to Christianity. He is from Somalia. While statistics and numbers can show us a high-level view of Christian persecution across the world and the scale and enormity of persecution, I wanted to bring it a little closer to home and just share a story. Farah, now 43, and by the way, Farah is not his real name. They uh, publish his story on the Open Doors website, and they always are very, very, very intent on uh, protecting their identity. But Farah, now 43, is one of the few Somalis who has made the life-threatening choice to follow Jesus. You know what? I forgot a video. We've got to do that video, don't we, honey? Sorry about that. I wanted to show you a really short video on, on Somalia first. I'll go ahead and jump into the story. Farah, now 43, is one of the few Somalis who has made the life-threatening choice to follow Jesus. And because of his decision, this Somali believer has lost everything, including his family and community. But we can tell you that Farah lives alone in a house that contains hardly anything apart from a few mats, a mattress, a chair, and some clothing. When Farah said yes to Jesus... He also lost the tribal community that Somalis normally enjoy. It is the consequence of a Somali, it's a consequence a Somali believer often faces. The husband and father has come to expect nothing but enmity from the people in the area he once lived. But he also knows he's lucky to be alive. For a Somali believer to be open about their Christian faith, the consequences are swift and often deadly. As the, father, as the child of a father who was a well-known imam in the local mosque, Farah would seem an unlikely Christian, but Christ showed himself to Farah early in his life. 
When I was eight, I heard a voice I couldn't recognize telling me to follow him. After that, I had a longing to, mo to know more about Jesus. Looking back, Farah can now see Jesus consistently worked in his life, starting with the foreign Christian family who moved in next to them and introduced him to the Bible. When his mother found out about uh, his visits to their home, he was forbidden to go back, but he was determined. He began to secretly climb over the fence, separating the two houses. Later, I came to hate studying the Quran. Instead, I listened to Christian radio programs in Somali, he says. My family said he has been caught by the evil called Christianity. By age 13, Farah had a mature faith that began to surface. At school, he started preaching to friends. He brought three of the 40 children in his class to Christ. That's when the public persecution began. The school promptly expelled him. After, afterwards, some of Farah's classmates told his parents he had become a Christian. That's when the family persecution started. At age 17, he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. At the time, my father announced I had to be killed, but my mother and brothers were against his decision. Instead, I was kept in jail for six months in isolation. Nothing could stop me from preaching the gospel, so the officer said I had to be kept alone. The isolation proved to be a tool God used to bring Farah even closer to him. During that time, God spoke to my heart, strengthening me all the time. For me, Christianity is like a man walking in the darkness with a light. He brought me the light in this dark place so that I could walk and live rightly. But the adversity and trials Farah faced in prison and at the hands of his father paled in comparison to the challenges he endured in adulthood. After finding and marrying a woman who was equally committed to Christ, a true miracle in East Africa, intense persecution broke out against non-Muslims in their region. In East Africa, Christians like Farah were obvious targets. The intense persecution often forces Somalis into hiding. To escape death and jail time, Farah left the city, trading his home and ministry, everything he had, for seclusion and isolation. The next trial would be sickness, but God used his failing health to forge new life-giving connections. During that time, Farah first connected with Open Door's team workers who brought him medicine. Four months after he fled, Farah's worsening health brought him back to the city he had left. By then, authorities were no longer searching for him, but his absence from his family didn't keep them free from persecution. The separation was harder on them than it, than it was on him. The community chased them from the house they stayed in. They kept asking her why she followed her husband. Police and other people regularly came to our home asking where I was. Eventually, Farah's wife took their five children and moved back to her parents' home. Since then, Farah has also been completely abandoned by the community where he lives. People he didn't know called and insulted him. Attempts to find employment or even odd jobs have been futile. However, Open Doors has helped him start an income-generating venture, and it continues to support him. My entire tribe disregarded me, he says. At age 43, Farah has grasped the second part of Mark 13, 13. But the one who per perseveres to the end will be saved. In an area of the world where following Jesus is a death sentence, Farah is persevering. Today, he attends a secret fellowship. He is inspired by Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And he has specific counsel for other new believers who are, or will soon be, in the throes of persecution. Always read your Bible and fix your eyes on Jesus. Pray fervently and give all your anxiety to God. We must understand that our fate is God himself. When suffering comes to your life, be persistent. Farah notes that throughout scripture, the imperative, do not fear, is written 365 times. Though his decision to follow Jesus and lead others to him cost him everything, 
for us as his soul is strengthened by the prayers and presence of the body of Christ. It is your prayer that sustains me. He uses you to strengthen me. My flesh brothers persecuted me and left me, but my brothers in Christ show me love. In my suffering, I realize there are brothers and sisters who prayed for me, showed concern for me, and helped me. This increased my faith. May God bless all the people who are praying for and serving persecuted believers like me. Farah and his fellow Somali Christians in East Africa desperately need our prayers as they walk through the fires of persecution. Join us and stand with this intricate, delicate phenomenon that is the Somali body of Christ. Thank you. Uh, before we have uh, Brother Edward show us what's, uh, what we're doing in Uganda, I, uh, some of you received this paper, but I'm excited about our missions giving. You can look at this paper, and for Foursquare Missions International, we've given almost $2,000. Rice Principal, we've brought in a little over $600. Uh, we were able, when Edward had to go to Uganda to uh, his father when he fell, many of us were praying for him. He got to take almost $1,800. He's going to show. <laughs> this, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. with your, This is your part of the Great Commission. I'm so excited. In six months, we've given what we took us a year last. Praise God. It shows a high priority of missions in our church. So Brother Edward is going to come and give us an update of our Ugandan sister church. So, 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 so good to be here. Um, For those who are meeting me for the first time, Nice to meet you. My name is Edward Olara, born and raised in Uganda, somewhere in East Africa. I've been uh, living here in the Oregon coast for the last four years, I think. I, I, I'm on and off. I go back to Uganda at least once a year. I the feeling that Nehemiah heard in that exile attacked me the first year I came here. It has been, it has been increasing. Uh, this time around, I've been feeling very sad. And the other day, I didn't realize how it was taking a toll on me. And the other day, my kids reminded me. They were talking... Uh, Telling their own stories, how, how daddy, daddy doesn't have a tick or spot or any, he doesn't. And Elizabeth said, in fact, he doesn't laugh these days. That kind of pricked me really hard. And I realized that I've really been, the first year I thought I was just homesick, but, uh, much as I'm here and I love it here, I feel that the Lord wants me to go back and help build some walls that are broken. <clears throat> Amen. And I want to thank you for helping me do just that. Uh, it's like Nehemiah had a lot of support. Go back and build a wall. And so many of you have been generous. You've given. We started with the mission house. Sorry, I, I saved, uh, poorly saved my video to show you and pictures, and I left it on a stick on the table because Stephen wanted me to be here at 8.30. So I ran so early. But I promise you, uh, work is still going on on that house, and when it's complete, I will give you a full update and show you all the progress of what has happened. So this time when I went, I actually went to see my father. I went to see my father. I had just returned from Europe. As many of you know, I am also 
pursuing my doctorate um, in seminary. I praise the Lord. <laughs> and uh, it's going so far great. It's just a lot to learn. And every time the Lord reveals something to you, like, <gasps> yes. So you have a lot of ah moments. So I've been having a lot of that. Um, and I use that for the good of the gospel. And so when I returned from uh, Oxford, and uh, I get a phone call, and my father wanted to talk to me. I knew he, had, he was involved in an accident a few weeks earlier, and I couldn't go because I was doing my research induction in, in the UK. And so I, I get this phone call. He wanted to talk to me. And then I could barely hear him, uh, but he was, he was miserable. He, was, he had given up life, and he wanted me to go. And I knew that was terrible. I, I just could not uh, put up with the thought that my father was going to die, and I was not going to be there. So I booked the plane ticket. I flew out the next day. Well, not quite the next few, two days after that. And uh, I, nobody home knew I was coming. So they were surprised to see me. I just showed up in the evening. <laughs> and I went with, I went with Ethan. He, he had fun. He had, he had a lot of fun chasing little goats and pigs and, and chicken in the village. He was riding his bicycle with a bunch of kids in the village. He had fun while I was attending to problems. It's good to be a child. I love, I miss those days when I was a child. You know, when you're younger, you worry less. And as you grow older, those worries increase. Oh, yeah. The older you get, the more the worries. But you know now the secret. Jesus said, don't worry. Cast your cares unto him. For he cares for you. So um, when I got there, my father told me and was like, is that you? I said, yeah, that's me. I came. came to see you, to be with you. In fact, I was with him the three weeks every day, eating with him, praying with him. I spent time with him. And he could not walk. And our family is pretty poor. They didn't know what else to do. Uh, I had sent some money earlier to help him with hospitalization and all that, but the money got finished, so they gave up. So they left him there, and he couldn't move. Sometimes these people go to the garden and leave him there in the house all day, and he could go to, you know, go to the bathroom on himself. It was miserable. When I got there, I took him some diapers, I took some supplements, I took some good stuff. And uh, life, when he saw me, his spirit got lifted. His spirit got lifted. And I got him some more help with medication. And just a few days after that, my father got up on the stretchers and started walking around. Uh, the, the evaluation, the last evaluation from the hospital was suggesting we find a way of doing hip replacement for him. It's not possible in the country like Uganda. Not even a hospital that does that. You have to fly somebody out. I was like, God, if you don't do a miracle here, we can't afford this. We don't have this kind of money. And we, I just made a simple prayer with him. said, you have to walk because you, ha you haven't seen Elias and you haven't spent time with his other grandchildren. We're coming back here next summer. You have to be alive. Yeah, you are like, you don't have no options. <laughs> so my father, if I was, I had the luck to show you, 
uh, a week before I left, he was getting out of his bed by himself, yeah. coming outside. And I installed a little bit, a little indoor toilet for him. He goes and then sits on his toilet party. Then he comes out on his own, sits under his tree. And then he, he walks around checking on his goats and chicken. And then goes back inside. And he's gained and he said, now you go back to America, to your family. I'm not going to die. That's what he told me. Praise God. <laughs> So he kicked me away. He said, go back to your family. I'm like, I guess I should go back to my family. <laughs> so I left him uh, in high spirit, and the Lord has uh, touched him. He's regaining by day. And thank you for your prayers. Thank you. God answered prayers. I tell you, I've lived to see that all my life. I have lived to see that, literally, God doing miracles like that. And I've seen more dramatic ones. I'll share with you next time. <laughs> so, whatever it is that you seem to be defeated about now, try to pray about it. Amen. Pray about it. Amen. And just come to, look to the Lord in simple abandon. Don't think about so great of sacrifices. That's what religion teaches us. That you should beat your body like the prophets of the Baal. Cut yourself with knives, you know. Show how serious you are so that God may hear. God simply wants that little faith, a little prayer. So if you don't help me, no one will help me. And I come to you, like that little song, I come to you. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to you. Amen. 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 And he will see your heart and he will help you. We are holding some of you here in prayer and we are believing God that he will touch you and help you to regain Stanley and your wife. We are holding you in prayer and the Lord will give us a testimony one of these days. We will stand here and sing together. A new song. Unto the Lord for the faithfulness. So, um, so I was able, since my dad had picked up, I was able to, to spend some of my time there, use the money that you contributed here. Um, and we had saved a little bit more. So I had about $3,000. The church here gave 1700 and then the church in Toledo had given also some earlier. And some friends. So I was able to put all the windows on the house. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, I put the main doors. I put three doors on the house. Strong mahogany wood doors. <laughs> Not only that, the Lord sometimes stretches the dollar. So... <laughs> I, I painted and put tiles in our master bedroom. <laughs> and did some flooring work also in the entire interior and the veranda and, and, and the back shade and all that. So all the tile, what is left now is putting tiles, but the, the, the basic flooring is done as well. Amen. So when I left... Uh, there was some balance which we used to buy the, the paint, so they're painting the interior of the house. So you can imagine the house is almost ready for you. Some of you are coming to sleep in. What is left now is putting the septic tank and wire electri electrical wiring and uh, and the tiles. The house will be livable. So thank, thank you. Thank you very much. The Lord bless you. I'm so sorry. I thought we had the pictures. I'm so bummed. But the one I, but the one I really was excited. I said we got to take. We have to show that. It was a picture of his daddy dancing outside like this, and it was just like, oh, 
We gotta, I say we got to show that one. So um, next, we're going to have John come up and introduce our, uh, our final missions uh, speaker. I want to thank our, our missions committee for giving me a, a chance to come up here and share. But I, I met Craig about 14 years ago in Warner Pacific College in Portland by Mount Tabor. Uh, and I came in on crutches. Uh, they were telling me that I had to have knee replacements in both legs. And Craig prayed for me. And I, like, really didn't feel anything. I'm like, well, throw away the crutches. So I threw away the crutches, and you know what? I, I started feeling better. And I went to a class of his for 13 weeks on healing. And... Uh, I was seeing so much healing in my body and people that I was praying for. He invited me to go to Thailand. Uh, I think that was in 2007? 2003. 2003. But that was our first trip, and we've been gone quite a few times since then. But uh, Craig just got back from 35 days in... Five weeks. Five weeks in uh, different nations in the world. So he's probably a little bit tired, but I want to introduce this. Uh, this is my mentor, Pastor Craig DeMoe, or Reverend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Praise God. Actually, oh, you can turn that back over to Debbie. Thank you so much. Praise God. It's good to be here this morning. And uh, I just want to thank John for helping to open this door here. And um, we have left you some materials there on your uh, chairs, and if you are missing these, we have a, a, a DVD video, actually there's four videos, they're all short, but uh, this is on this disc, and then some printed materials, if you're missing those, we have some extras back in the back, so praise God, nice to meet you, and uh, I'm Craig Demo. praise God, uh, since we're making introductions this morning, uh, thank you Debbie, thank you Pastor Stephen. Uh, but I just want to introduce my better half, the one without whom, I know we do nothing without the Lord, but I can say I can do nothing without my wife, Terry. So if you'd stand, praise God, she's been a great support. And uh, I also have with me this morning my mother, and uh, I don't know if you want to stand up or not, but uh, she's... Uh, I know, you're, I know you're not supposed to mention a woman's age, but I'll just say in her 90s, she is, uh, she's doing good, and she gets herself around, and uh, we're proud of her, and she's living with us now, and that's a, a real blessing. And our host, do you mind, Beverly? Um, Beverly Jacobs, who lives down by Taft, and uh, she allowed us to stay at her place this morning. She has this one wonderful living room that oversees the ocean. Nothing like it, so praise God. Uh, John, thank you so much. Uh, you mentioned that I was away for five weeks. I was in, first of all, Nigeria for a couple of weeks, ministering there. It was an entire week with, a, uh, with Bible college students, about 300 of them, and that was a real blessing. They've been using our healing manual for over 10 years. Then I went to Pakistan. I was in four different cities, and we did some crusades there, leaders' conferences, church meetings, and some television appearances. And I'll tell you, one of the untold things that's happening in the world today is the move of God in the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. And it is one, we hear about the persecution, it's real, but I want to, want to tell you that the church is growing exponentially. It's wonderful. And um, amen. And then I went to the United Arab Emirates, and uh, in the city of Dubai, it was like I, I moved up from the most poverty-stricken place I was in to Dubai, which is opulent, and uh, I was there ministering to, to different churches for about a week, and uh, had some wonderful services there. I could talk a lot just about that, but I just want to go on to, to discuss what we're going to, our main topic this morning John mentioned Thailand, and we are going to talk to you just a little bit about a building project taking place there for orphans. We have a video to show you, but before I do that, I want to just commend you. 
we're talking about what God's doing all over the world. You know, God is interested in outreach. No question about it. The, gr the Great Commission is the charge that Jesus gave us just before he left. And uh, we thank God for that. But he also is involved in inreach. He wants, wants to do in us what, um, what he sees taking place in the world. And that's why the, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, that he has put the world in our hearts. And it says that he's done that so that we understand what he's, do, what he's been doing from the beginning all the way to the end. In other words, we understand the whole plan of God by what he's put in our hearts. You know, everything that God has uh, given us and everything that is necessary for life and godliness, according to 2 Peter 1 verse 3, he's already given us in the new birth. We know 2 Corinthians 5 17 if any man or woman be in Christ, he's a new creation. All the old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And when it says, behold, all things have become new, we can actually look at it and see what God has done in Christ Jesus, and that is in us. And the next verse, verse 18, says, all things are of God. So what God has done is he's put himself in us. We are mobile temples of the Holy Ghost. And he has put his deposit in us for a reason, so that we can fulfill the Great Commission. And over in uh, 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 Ephesians 4, 24, it says that the new man is created in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, God's nature himself, he's put in us, and he's, he's made that deposit for a purpose. And we just thank the Lord, Lord for that. You know, he's given us the Great Commission. And by the way, the Great Commission is not just reach individual souls. The Bible does say in Mark 16, verse 15, to preach the gospel to every uh, creature or every individual. He's interested in individual souls. But you know, also we find in Matthew 28, which was read this morning, that uh, we are to go and teach all the nations everything that Jesus taught his disciples, okay? And so what actually happens with the Great Commission is not only are individuals going to come into the kingdom of God, thank the Lord for that, but also we're going to affect cultures for the kingdom of God. We are, you know, the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. It doesn't matter, you know, we could talk about the advancement of radical Islam. We could talk about the Marxist movement around the world, humanism, all these things. I want you to know that this is the Father's world. I want you to know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all those that dwell therein. And so he equips us with, with what is necessary so all the nations be, can, become, can come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So my condemnation, uh, commendation, no, not condemnation, my commendation for you this morning is simply this. Thank God that you care about the things that God cares about that you have looked on the inside and you have seen that you have a, a care and a concern and a love for the world. And, and because of that, you're seeing things take place. And yeah, the dollar is stretched because God sees what's in your heart. It's not always the size of your gift. Thank God for that. But it's also God sees what you want to do because he's put the desire in you and he will cause what, what you give to him to, to be stretched and enlarged and to have a great impact, and God uses it as part of his overall strategy. He has put the world in your heart. Amen. I wasn't going to say all that this morning, but I want you to know it just came out like that. And, uh, you know, I, I just thank God for you. I thank God for a church like this. You don't see this kind of heart everywhere. You really don't. But thank God for what you're doing here. So praise God. Now, that said, there's a strategy for every place. It's like, you know, listen, we, we, you could talk about the whole world, but, you know, you, you personally are not going to go to the whole world. Your giving is not going to go to the whole world, but he can give you, in, he can give you strategies. In, in Nigeria, you know, in a country that's almost a, a quarter of the population of the whole continent of Africa, you know, and has great material wealth, it is a focal point for radical Islam. 
And also it's a focal point for the work of the gospel because of how that nation can be used to reach all of Africa. And I know there's, God has strategies for all the nations, but I'm just saying God, God has put that in with the nation of Pakistan, the place that's, uh, uh, that, 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 that is associated with the training of radical Islamists. Uh, you know, it's right there that God is turning a corner. You know, if, if uh, Pakistan today were to come under total Sharia law and they're a nuclear-armed state, We've got a major problem. All of a sudden, Afghanistan, North Korea, uh, Myanmar, places like this are, are pale in comparison to the problem we have on our hands. And so God is doing very, something very significant there because he is not going to allow to take place what the enemy would like to take place. Okay? No weapon formed against us is going to prosper. I really believe that with all my heart. Now, uh, why are we involved in, in, in uh, the nation of Thailand? Well, every tribal group in Southeast Asia is represented in the Chiang Mai Valley in the north. John knows about this. He's been with us over to Thailand three different times. And uh, I've been there over 20 times, but 11 of those times we've taken healing teams. And what we do is we go minister village to village, praying for every sick person. It's very... Um, uh, common for us to see every sick person in an entire village. I'm talking about blind eyes, deaf ears, people that could not walk, cancers, all kinds of things healed. And when that happens, if there was not a church there before, all of a sudden there is a church. And we're introducing new believers to their pastor because it's already been worked out in advance what the strategy is for that village, who's going to pastor the church once there are believers. You see, so these are takes things that take place, and, and uh, by by reaching those people, people from the Lao tribe, the Aka tribe, the Karin tribe, the the uh, uh, Lisu tribe, and all these other tribal groups, by doing that, we're we're having an impact on Laos and Myanmar and southern China and Cambodia and Vietnam, and it's and uh, we are we're, something very significant is happening. Now, with that in mind, God is also generational. We understand that. He isn't just concerned about the people on the earth today. He wants something that is solid and lasting and making a, gen a difference in the next generation because those are the leaders of the new generation, okay? And, and so, with that in mind, we're going to talk about a little bit about orphans, and about what God is doing amongst the tribal population, and we're going to focus on a particular orphanage. So that said, if we have the video ready... Ambassador Ministries, reaching the nations and equipping the saints. For over 30 years, this mandate has been fulfilled in many nations with a strong emphasis on winning souls, discipling believers, and training the next generation of leadership. One of our major ministry targets is Thailand. As the only free nation in Southeast Asia with a receptive tribal population, Thailand provides a strategic staging ground to reach a significant portion of Asia's 4.5 billion people. But Thailand is no stranger to problems. In fact, Thailand is well known for sex trafficking and drugs, leading to so many homeless children. Whenever possible, we help with tribal orphanages. For several years, one of our ministry partners, Pentecostal Assemblies of Tribes, PAOT, has been overseeing an orphanage for 50 children in the city of Fang. In July 2018, tragedy struck this orphanage. In the middle of the night, the entire building where all 50 children were sleeping was quickly consumed by fire taking the life of a 13-year-old girl 
and leaving the rest of the children without a home. God has laid on our hearts for the sake of the children to help our ministry partners rebuild. Right now, all the children are living with loving families who were already overburdened. We can ease their load and provide a space for the needy children to grow and thrive. My name is Pastor Yola Kemjulum from Thailand. I would like you to join us in prayer and support for the rebuilt orphanage in Thailand, and especially Credimo, uh, the ambassador ministry is going to help us to raise uh, the money for this building. I pray that let the Holy Spirit touch in your heart so that you join us to build this orphanage. Thank you. Bye-bye. God bless you. Using land already owned by PAOT, we can provide a building that will last and one that can better serve the next generation. And this time, we'll call it Ambassador Champions Home to raise up champions who will serve their own generation by the will of God. Unlike other places, rebuilding this orphanage is quite economical. Here's an outline. We can reduce costs even more by sending construction workers to help. Lord willing, we'll do that in March of 2020. If you have the opportunity to support a construction worker, we encourage you to be a blessing. By building Ambassador Champion's home, we're doing a lot more than providing housing. We're giving the next generation of leadership a future and a hope. Help us turn tragedy to triumph for these children in this strategic nation. Please give and please be generous. Contact us with your support today. Let's reach the nations and equip the saints. Ambassador Ministries. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, you've got copies of that, and go ahead and avail yourself of that. Thank God for you. I don't know that there's a whole lot more that needs to be said at this point. Other than this, one of the things you saw toward the end there was a uh, reference to our Facebook page. And the reason I want to bring that up is simply this. If you would like to see some of the Facebook Live feeds from the last outreach, particularly to Pakistan. Uh, you could go there and look at some of those things, and, and I, I believe you'll be blessed by that. You can just look up my name. It's Craig Demo. Demo is capital D-E-M, capital D-E, capital M-O, or just remember Demo, like demo, uh, and you could find it, or go to facebook.com forward slash Ambassador Ministries, and you'll get there. So, amen. Um, yeah, we are, we're, we're kind of in the planning stages, but as far as that particular orphanage is concerned, we are thinking about sending a team in March of 2020. John is looking to be a part of that, and we encourage you to be a blessing uh, as part of that effort. And uh, I believe that uh, we really will be giving the kids involved a future and a hope, like it talks about in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And uh, we have, you know, like you, you heard earlier this morning about some, some of the other ministries, really by helping to change these lives, we are raising up leaders, not only ministry leaders, but business leaders and, and, and leaders that uh, can make a difference in the areas of education and medicine and the arts and entertainment and even the political structures that are in these nations. And it, it really does help to shape the culture. That's what we want to do. We want to preach the gospel to every creature, but we want to teach all nations, every, all ethnic groups, everything that Jesus taught his disciples. And so uh, that's what we're looking to do. And uh, 
we, our, our strategy is long-term, and we just want to ask you to just pray, pray with us, and as the Lord leads you to become involved in whatever area that God tells you to be involved in, you have the materials there. I don't know that anything else needs to be said, so I'll go ahead and turn it back over to you, Debbie. Thank you so much. Um, well, I hope this has been a time of encouragement. I was sitting there and thinking, you know, I don't want people to feel overwhelmed, like, oh, gosh, you know, there's so many ministries out there. No, you know, we're bringing to you what God has put on different people's hearts, okay? John has been involved with ambassadors for many years. Donna has been involved with Open Doors, you know, I'm, you know, involved with the sister church. What we're bringing to you is showing you what God is doing. Amen. It's not meant to be overwhelmed. What, just like when you give with your tithes, purpose in your heart. Purpose, you, you pray, you ask God what he wants you to be involved with, how much, or whatever. But this is not meant to be overwhelming. If anything, I'm praying and hoping that it's like, wow, look what God is doing. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying that that's what you receive is, wow, look what God is doing. And look what he's doing with the, the change I'm putting in with Rice Principle. Look what he's doing. I mean, folks, you have doubled in missions giving in six months. This is, it's a real part of your heart. And I thank the Lord Jesus for that. I mean, I'm just excited Look what God is doing. Look, Ma Sue and Paul, no churches, and in 20 years, you know? And it's, this takes time. It's all time. It doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, and, Baz, you know, John's been in with ambassadors for 14 years. This is time, and we want you to see what God is doing. So just to remind you, there's a potluck right after. If you didn't bring any food, that's fine. You can come and eat, and you can stay and help clean up. So we, uh, there's always something you can do. So Brother Edward is going to close this in prayer. Thank you, Brother. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the work you're doing. I'm excited. I was remembering, actually, uh, that I preached to someone here a long time ago when I was your interim pastor. The, the church that makes Jesus happy is a church that is on the go, on the mission. Uh, there's nothing else we're supposed to do as a church. Anything else is just maintenance. Yeah. So it's, it's a joy to see that this church supports mission and, and that all of you are driven, some of you are going and giving and all that. That makes Jesus happy, really happy. And he will bless this church. He will bless you. You know, when, when Jesus blesses a church, he's blessing you. Amen. <laughs> Not blessing this building, he's blessing you. He's following you to your home, to your house, to your children, your grandchildren, and watching over them. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Let's Pray for all the, the, the mission missioners who are here today and for the work that they're engaged in, that the Lord will increase everything they touch and, and, and that we will hear new reports coming in next time. Okay? Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful that you have given us something better you have given us the kingdom. That we rejoice not because we have seen demons going or the sick being healed. We rejoice because our names are written in the book of the Lamb. And everything else we do, Lord, we do it because we love you. We're just expressing how grateful we are that you have given us the kingdom as more value than anything else you can give us, Lord. And so, 
I pray that none of us will, will lose sight of this beauty. That we will all be embraced with your goodness. That we will follow Jesus with gladness, with gratitude. Knowing well that he is our champion, was gone ahead of us. Thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters who shared with us here, Lord, today about the work that you're doing through them. We are thankful that you have opened this church to the mission's work. And this gives us opportunity, it gives each one of us here the opportunity to serve, to give to be blessed. And so we take it as you have loved us so much. Continue to bless us in fellowship, Lord, even as we descend downstairs for the potluck. May these thoughts dwell deeply in our hearts. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.